Amen. All right, go ahead and get in your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I know we have folks still traveling for vacation and all those sorts of things, and everybody needs a break, everybody needs to get away, and uh, let's pray they have good trips and uh, get mentally and physically refreshed to come back and serve the Lord and do what's right with God and their family and their work for Christ. Um, we're today really, we're about three quarters of the way done. It's week nine of the 13 weeks I, I have planned. Um, and again, I just remind you all the things I teach in, in here. Uh, Sharon and I don't do these things perfectly. Uh, these are the principles, they're Bible principles we strive for. And as time has gone on in our marriage, we've been married 39 years now. Uh, the more we apply these principles, the better our home, the better our relationship has become. And I've seen this not only in my own life, but in the lives of uh, other people around me uh, as well. Uh, some of the questions uh, you turned in, uh, a few are from before, just because they're especially helpful, but most of these were ones that were turned in this time. Question number one, how long do you allow your spouse to give you the silent treatment? Uh, by the way, all these questions are linked to uh, our subject last week was uh, fair fighting or how we can disagree without hurting one another. And we started that last week. We'll finish it this week. How long do you allow your spouse to give you the silent treatment? Uh, you can't control when your spouse starts talking to you again any more than you can make them mature enough to stop being childish and giving you the silent treatment. Uh, by the way, uh, that's childish. And in case you haven't noticed it as an adult, there are a lot of adults who still do childish uh, things. Uh, you can control whether you make things worse by insisting on bringing up subjects that are not worth the trouble or don't need to be settled. You can control your temper and when you apologize for your part in a situation. You can control whether or not you make the situation a matter of prayer. And so what I would say to you, uh, do your part uh, to please Christ. Uh, I say this over and over and over again. Your relationship with Jesus Christ and your desire to please him makes all the difference in the world in how you handle your marriage, how you handle your children, how you handle every issue uh, in your life. Question number two, how do I keep from getting worked up in a disagreement? I try to diffuse things. My spouse uh, keeps him going, and I eventually uh, burst out. Uh, you will help yourself first by making your temp, uh, temper a daily matter of prayer. Uh, James said, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's in James 1.19, I think. Uh, and, and so every day, uh, dear God, help me today to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That, that will help you. Um, read the scriptures. Romans chapter 15 talks about the patience and comfort of the scriptures. Now, I don't know what you do before you read your Bible every day, and I hope you read your Bible every day, but one of the things I pray when I read my Bible every day is, Lord, please grant me the patience of the scriptures that I might patiently face whatever's ahead of me today and give me the comfort of the scriptures that I might comfort others with the comfort I've been given by you. Uh, listen, your relationship with God is a very practical thing, and, and with the scriptures for that matter as well. Um, what I would say to you is, you, you first, you, you need to just take responsibility for your part. Listen, no one ever makes us mad. We choose to become mad. No one ever makes us stay mad. We choose to stay mad. 
Listen, you did not lose your temper because of your spouse. You lost your temper because of you. That simple change in our thinking, you didn't say what you said because of them, you didn't get angry because of them, you got angry because you chose to let yourself get angry, you said what you said because you chose to say it. And we sit in church and we lament how nobody in in our society takes responsibility, but I want you to understand, this is a very personal thing, and it starts in our own home. Take responsibility for your part. Um... Sometimes you just need to simply recognize that talking about something isn't worth it. Sometimes you need to recognize that, you know, it's something that needs to be talked about, but this isn't a good time to do it. Uh, Anytime any one of you is keeping their head together and their heart on Christ, any one of you is going to make things way, way better. You know, two angry people and two people saying everything on their mind, you you know, that's leading nowhere good. Uh, Question four, when we disagree, my spouse shuts down, gets angry even when I remain calm. Uh, This leads to us never talking about the issue. I mean, first off, let me say I commend you for remaining calm. Uh, One of the things we learned last week, remember a soft answer, turneth away wrath. And so either one of you choosing not to raise your voice, choosing not to get angry, it's automatically going to diffuse the situation to to some degree. And so what I would say is if they refuse to talk about it, you need to stop and think. All right, do we need to talk about this? Uh, Is the trouble of fixing this worth the situation? You you know, listen, I've known couples to fight hard because the husband left uh, the drawer open in the kitchen cabinets. You know, if that's a big deal to you, okay, brother, work on shutting them. But, but on the other hand, in the scheme of things, is that really worth all the peace and comfort and security in your home? You know, we don't think through these things. And, and because we're around our spouse all the time, you know, we just make issues like this out of issues that are like this. And so if, if it's worth talking about, uh, you've heard me say this a hundred times, pick two or three clear things, make the situation a matter of prayer, pick a good time, Pick a good tone, have an adult conversation. And don't expect them when you have an adult conversation, especially if they're wrong, for them to say, oh, wow, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, I mean, most people, they're just not mature enough to do that. Um, Most people, if you have any heart for God at all, as a little bit of time goes on, you begin to think, well, you know what, they really were right in that. And you, you need to just understand your spouse is a person just like you. Uh, question number five. I talk about, I, this is an old question, and it kind of makes me laugh. I, I talk about ideas out loud, and my spouse takes them as facts causing conflict. Do I stop thinking? Uh, you should keep thinking, but learn when to stop talking. <laughs> uh, hear me when I say, no human being can take everything that goes through our minds and hearts. Only God can do that. And so you need to learn when things upset your spouse. Uh, you think, oh, you know what I'm thinking about? Man, maybe we should live in Florida. You know, and maybe you're just somebody who's goofy, and you're just never happy wherever you are. There's people like that. And the root of that is, is when you're not happy with yourself, you will never be happy anywhere. 
And so what a lot of people do, they blame their unhappiness on their circumstances and they pretend that if they had different circumstances, then they would be happy. Uh, when in reality, they don't, they're, they're not happy with themselves. But, but l listen, if they can't take it, why are you bringing it up? <laughs> Keep thinking, please. Again, you've heard me say a hundred times. God gave us a mind to think. He gave us a heart to feel. And whenever we turn off either one of those, in some way, we're headed for trouble. Uh, so today we're going to begin uh, our second part about uh, talking about fighting fair or how to disagree with our spouse without hurting one another. Remember, we are always going to disagree. If you think, well, we have a bad marriage because we disagree, no, everybody disagrees. The question is not, will we disagree? The question is, how will we handle it when we disagree. And it is our commitment to one another. It is our love for our spouse, our commitment to Christ, our love for Christ, ideally, that causes us to say, you know what, I'm going to work through this because I believe my Creator designed marriage for my good. And so I'm committed to do this. should be in your Bible in Romans uh, chapter 12 uh, because... <laughs> Handling ourselves well in disagreements is learned behavior. Some of you, you didn't learn this at all in your home in which you grew up. You grew up and like almost everything we talk about in here, your parents handled the opposite way. Uh, listen, no one is destined to repeat the home in which you were raised. By the grace of God, with Christ in your life, you can have a happy, contented, peaceful home. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Romans 12, 17. Uh, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Uh, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, the early chapters of the book of Romans, they're theological. Uh, the latter uh, chapters, they're more practical. And it's not like theology isn't practical at all. Uh, there is practical application. But the last chapters, uh, Paul is very practical in what he's talking about. And here, he's teaching the Roman believers how to get along with one another in the church. By the way, his advice for how to get along in the church is good advice for how we can get along anywhere. Uh, we live in a culture where people are increasingly inept at personal relationships. You know, uh, the internet, social media, uh, texting, all those things, they've caused people to not know how to get along very well because, quite frankly, people don't interact very much. I, I'm not the only one. When I'm paused in a grocery line, I get out my phone. Uh, and we all do that. We, 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 we don't talk to anybody. And so we, in, in our culture, and as you, if you have children at home, one of the greatest gifts you'll ever give them is to teach them how to have healthy relationships. And Paul here is teaching us about that. Notice in verse 17, he says, Stop returning evil for evil. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of God. L listen, if your spouse says something wrong, that's not an excuse for you to say something wrong. Don't return evil for evil. Uh, my spouse is not talking to me, therefore I'm not talking to them. Uh, don't return evil for evil. 
Notice in verse 18, make an effort to live peaceably if be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. By the way, he says it like that because to live peaceably takes effort. Uh, no one naturally and easily lives peaceably. The only thing in life that's actually good, that's easy, is salvation because Jesus paid it all and making it easy for us. But everything else in life that matters, it is difficult and takes effort on our part, and so we need to make effort to live peaceably. Notice then, uh, to do that, we need to leave vengeance to God. Verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath. Uh, for his written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You may have somebody in your life you haven't forgiven. There may be something your spouse did to you that you haven't forgiven. And at the root of that is the fact that you are not trusting God to bring enough vengeance in a situation, and so you're taking vengeance into your own hands. Uh, people try to punish someone who did them wrong with their anger. They punish them with their uh, distance. They punish them in lots of ways. And at the root of that, it is always, I am going to take vengeance in my hands. I'm not going to leave vengeance to God. If you and I want to get along, and in particular get along with our spouse, we need to leave any vengeance that needs to be done uh, to God. And then he's going to tell us something that is incredibly difficult. Uh, there, there's elementary school Christianity, there's high school Christianity, there, there's college. I mean, this is an aspect of Christianity that is not a basic level. Verses 20 and 21, Therefore, if thine enemy hung, hang, hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. According to verse 21, how do you overcome evil? By doing good. Uh, he illustrated that by what to do with your enemy. Here's the thing. Most of the time we struggle to not even return evil for evil. And if we grow some, we might grow to return neutral for evil. But mature Christianity, someone with the deepest relationship with Christ who truly trusts vengeance to him and truly wants to forgive uh, by the grace of God from their heart, we give good for evil. That's not an easy thing to do. But in the other hand, you, you, you want to help your marriage relationship? Return good for evil. Uh, when they're angry, don't return anger. Don't return nothing. Uh, return something good. Uh, you know, I, I know you're angry, but I want you to know I love you. Uh, listen, uh, living peaceably is not an easy thing. And understand that we're going to disagree all the time. It literally takes two people to have a real fight. If either one of you would just decide, I am not going to fight... I am going to do what Christ would have me do in this situation. Understand that the problem would be way, way, way smaller than it would be if you just say, hey, you said this to me, I'm saying this to you. You're angry with me, I'm angry with you. Um, <laughs> handling our disagreements poorly is one of the greatest causes of unhappy marriages, unstable homes, and divorces. And remember, I, I talked about this last week. Uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to add things to the list of 
uh, no matter what, I will not. Probably everybody in here has on their list, uh, no matter how angry I get, I will not stab them. No matter how angry I get, I will not shoot them. Listen, there are people that don't have those two things on their list. What I'm trying to do is to get you to add some things to your list of no matter how angry I get, no matter what they do, I will not. I, I'm just trying to get you to add things on your list to help you live more peaceably. Go to Proverbs chapter 28. By, by the way, this is super practical stuff. I know the Bible is filled with uh, theology, and that's important that we understand God and understand how to apply who God is so that we might live godly lives that honor Jesus Christ. Uh, but so much of knowing God and having Christ in our life is a very practical thing. Last week, we spent all week talking about uh, how to be careful talking to our spouse when we disagree. And we talked about several different things of, uh, that we need to avoid and not do with our mouth. Uh, if you're somebody and you're just, you're really proud of the fact that you said everything that was on your mind and really proud of the fact that you just get it all off your chest, you're just going to live in a constant state of instability. Uh, but I did have one more thing that I wanted to add when it comes to handling our words wisely when we disagree. And here's the seventh one of those is don't say things you don't mean. Don't say things you don't mean. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26, and I've got the first half of this verse highlighted and underlined in my Bible. If you uh, haven't done that yet, you should do that. This is one of the great practical truths of the Scriptures of wise living and completely contrary to our culture and what a lot of Christian people tell you to do. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a... What's that next word? That is one of the strongest Bible words that there is. Uh, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Listen, if you're going to trust that whatever's in your heart should be spoken, you are trusting a bad source. Ever hear anybody say, follow your heart? Some of the dumbest advice you'll ever get. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Listen, if I said lift your hand, if your heart ever misled you in a big way, every hand would be up, including mine. And so understand that when you're in a disagreement, if you're going to trust what's in your heart to be something that should come out of your mouth, that's not a good idea. It's very different to say, I hate when you do that, than to say, I hate you. It's very different to say, that was a stupid thing to do, than to say, you're stupid. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? There's some things that should never come out of your mouth that are in your heart. And any kind of careless talk like this always in some way takes security from you and your children. Don't say things you don't mean. How do you suppose it would make your child feel, uh, feel when they hear you say, uh, you know, maybe we should get a divorce? You suppose that gives them security? You suppose it helps them feel good about their home? Say, so why would you say something like that? Oh, because that thought flew through your head and you never grew up enough to have some gap between what flies through your heart and mind and what comes out of your mouth. 
Ways to improve handling our disagreements. Here's a second thing. Turn back a couple pages to chapter 17. We're just talking about how to disagree and not hurt our spouse. Here's a second thing. Handle conflict privately as much as possible. Handle conflict privately as much as possible. Proverbs chapter 17, notice what it says in verse 9. It says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. He that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Now this is not a reason to hide some sin in the, in the church like some uh, spiritual leaders have done at times in, in the past in all groups. Uh, what this is, is this is private advice to understand that, you know what, if you want to be loved and you want your spouse to be loved, you should handle some things privately. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, to me, it's common sense. But have you ever known anybody that hasn't yet grasped that whatever you put on Facebook is like standing on your roof and shouting? A am I the only one that ever... Uh, read someone's Facebook post and thinks to yourself, and I don't do a lot in Facebook, but, but I, I look at that and I say, why'd you write that here? I'm really down. My spouse has been bad today. My husband did a dumb thing. Okay. He's a man. Handle things privately. Listen, don't tell people that don't need to know. I'm not trying to get you to not talk to anyone. I have multiple times tried to get you to have someone that you each have permission of your spouse to talk to when something goes on. Uh, multiple times. I actually think you're making a big error if you don't have someone that your spouse has permission to talk to. And you're fine with that person knowing private information. But very often what happens in conflict is someone shares information with someone that doesn't need to know and someone your spouse isn't comfortable knowing. You know what happens in the church when that happens? Um, it makes it really hard to restore your spouse. They're embarrassed. They're prideful. They begin to interpret everything that happens because they think everybody knows what's going on even though they don't. And really at the root of that is you didn't keep something private, private. Uh, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, one of the things I think people do that's really hurtful to them is when they have problems in their marriage, when they're not working them out themselves because of pride, they don't get any help. And a lot of times by the time someone comes to me, uh, I mean lots of things have happened and it's way more complicated and more difficult to fix. Listen, when you're struggling with something and you just can't work it out, get some help. Don't yak to everybody. Ephesians chapter 4. We're just talking about ways to handle our disagreements and not hurt our spouse. Listen, if I were to ask you, when you disagree, do you want to hurt your spouse? There's not a single person here, unless you're in the heat of anger at this moment, who would say, yeah, I'd like to hurt them. Uh, you might feel like that in a moment, but listen, when you're thinking right um, and close to Christ, you're not going to do that. But how can we disagree and not hurt our spouse? Here's the third thing. We talked about controlling our words. We, we talked... Uh, 
See, I already went brain dead. Uh, we talked about handling private, our conflict privately. Here's the third thing. Do everything you can to not stay angry for a long time. Do what you can to not stay angry for long. Ephesians 4, 26. It's a Bible principle. Be angry. So it's okay to be angry at times about some things. Uh, and sin not. <laughs> Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So sometimes angry can be okay. And by the way, God was angry at times and still is. And Christ was angry at times and still is. Uh, but your anger can easily become sin. And one of the ways it becomes sin is you let the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, you stay angry. Uh, I've had multiple people, I've had people tell me, literally, they withheld sex for months. Months. Ridiculous. I've had people um, brag, I've heard sitting in circle of people, yeah, I haven't talked to him and I think it was three days or four days, and, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm feeling like saying, uh, ma'am, uh, if I did that, I surely wouldn't brag. Uh, don't stay angry. Uh, does everybody know who God places the burden on fixing the situation? Does everybody know? Uh, turn up a few pages to Galatians chapter 6. I guess it's back a few pages. This is another Bible principle. By the way, God gives us a lot of principles. He gives them to us like that so that every culture and every age can apply them. He gives them to us like that instead of very specifically line-by-line -line things because we apply these more and increasingly better as we mature in, in our faith and mature uh, in life. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Uh, if there's somebody taken in a fault, who's the burden on to fix it? Yeah, the more spiritual person, the more mature person. Now, in an ideal world, uh, that more mature, spiritually minded person would be the husband. Uh, he's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. Uh, we don't live in an ideal world. Sometimes, uh, your husband isn't being mature. Sometimes he isn't being wise. He, he's just a person. And some spiritually minded wife has to step up and make it right. God does, he purposely doesn't put the burden on making it right on the person who's immature because that person is less likely to make it right. God purposely puts the burden on the more mature person because then the situation is more likely to be fixed. And dear sister, if your husband is not spiritual or he's not stepping up in this particular case, you step up. The most important thing is that it gets fixed, not that it be fixed by the husband. You say, how... Very often does fixing begin, it begins generally with an apology. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a situation in my marriage or a situation I've ever been involved in where it was 100-0. 100% one person's fault, 0% the other person's fault. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation like that. I've been in a lot of situations. It might have been 90-10. I've been in some situations that are 50-50. Uh, but listen, even if you are the person who's 10% responsible, you need to be mature enough to take responsibility and apologize for your part. You say, why? 
That's what pleases Christ. You can't choose whether your spouse sins or not. You can't choose whether they fix their attitude or not. All you can do is fix yourself. Um, I, I get a lot of complaints about um, people's apologies. Uh, the best apology, and, and by the way, uh, if they don't apologize in the best way, take what they're capable of giving. But the best apology is no excuses. I did this. I'm sorry. Not, you did this, so I did this. I'm sorry. Okay? If someone's not very mature, take that. But the best apologies is you personally, not by text, not by phone. You look them in the face, man to woman, uh, husband to wife. You look them in the eyes and say, I did this, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And that process is how healing begins. And as a married couple, I really think it should be one of our goals to never uh, fall asleep angry. I don't, I don't think you ought to ever sleep on the couch overnight. I don't think you ought to ever leave overnight. I, I know people do that. Uh, you know, don't go to bed angry. Step and fight. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I think you, you, you ought to really honestly just try to resolve as much as you can. I know sometimes you can't fix something in, in, in 30 minutes. I know that. But, but you can always bring the level down before you go to sleep. Um, anybody besides me have your worst dreams when you go to sleep angry? Maybe we shouldn't be going to sleep angry. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. How can we disagree and not hurt our spouse? Here's number four. Follow the order God established in your home when you can't agree. Follow the order God established in your home when you can't agree. We spent a whole week on God's order in the home. Ephesians 5, uh, 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to it. We both have a responsibility, but understand when you have a conflict and you can't agree on a solution, remember God's authority in the home. Listen, God did, brother, God did not give you authority in the home to do anything contrary to God. Uh, you have no authority to forbid your wife from going to church. You have no authority to tell your wife she has to smoke pot with you. You have no authority to tell your wife she needs to come and be the getaway car when you rob the bank. You have no authority to do something that's contrary to God. But uh, if it's neither in nor out of the Bible, as I said to you before, listen, uh, wives, I think you ought to be very clear with your husband uh, and husbands, I believe the loving response is you always listen. But when you can't agree, follow the authority of your husband. And if you have a, still have a big problem with that, uh, your husband, if he's following God, shouldn't have any problem with you going and sitting down and talking to somebody else. Listen, if you're following God, brother, uh, why, why do you care if you, you come and talk to somebody you've agreed to talk to? Um, 
Normally I take three weeks to do this fair fighting, disagreeing. This time I only want to take two uh, just because I want to do a couple of different things. But the last thing I want to do, go back to Proverbs 24. And I've just got a couple minutes, so I'm just going to get to mention uh, these things. But I do want to mention them to you. You know, sometimes there's things that, um, you know, are directly in the scriptures, and obviously those carry the biggest weight. Other times, I think there's some things that people learn over the course of life. You know, if you're recently married and younger, listen, there are things you can learn from someone who's happily married, who's been married a long time. Uh, And... I think it would be wise just to listen. Uh, Listen, no one, no one, including myself, we have no reason or authority to contradict the Bible. No one. I've told you a hundred times, listen, don't you dare follow me if I'm not following the Scriptures. But Proverbs 24, 6, it says uh, these words, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And a multitude of counselors there is safely. Listen, if you're going to go to war with your spouse, if you're going to have a conflict, if you're going to have a disagreement that's more than just uh, what are we going to have for dinner tonight, uh, you, you ought to get some counsel. And what I want to do, I'm just, I, I have four and a half minutes. I just want to make some statements that I just would make to you. I don't have time to explain them deeply. Uh, if you and I were just having a personal conversation uh, about disagreements in, in, in our home. Here's the first statement I would make. Uh, you do not have to and should not talk about everything. You do not have to and should not talk about everything. I don't know who started that. Uh, oh, we talk about everything. I've had parents say that to me about their teenagers when I was a youth pastor, and I always think to myself, you don't talk to everything, or they don't talk to everything. You just think they do. I've had husbands and wives, right? Oh, we talk about everything. That's dumb. You really think... Uh, you want your husband to say to you, wow, did you see that girl that went by? And she was pretty. Brother, you really think you want your wife to speak up every time she really wonders whether you're doing the right thing? There are times when we shouldn't speak up. I get it. There's times we should speak up. Some conversations are difficult, but they need to be had because we're husbands and wives and we're sharing lives and we're sharing big issues and we do need to talk to them. But there's some things that we don't need to talk about and you shouldn't. Ask yourself, will this help my spouse? Ask yourself, do they need to know this? Ask yourself, is this worth the pain of confronting it? Ask yourself, would it please the, the Lord more to talk about this or keep silent? You, one of the things, when we would have a conflict and, uh, you, you know, walk away for a little while, one of the things I would always ask the Lord, Lord, is this something I should say uh, or should I just let this go? Uh, second practical things, you don't have to agree on everything. You, you know... <laughs> You're not supposed to really agree on everything. Remember, we talked about this earlier. You're not supposed to think alike. You're supposed to think together. And you don't have to agree about everything. Honestly, I just ask yourself, is this something we need to agree on now? You know, you you, you might have a two-year-old, and you're really fighting over uh, how they're going to be educated. you got three years. You don't have to agree now. You ever think that maybe two and a half years from now, one or both of you may feel completely different about it? 
Here's the third thing I, I would say to you. You don't have to settle every issue right away. <laughs> uh, when our children were young, Sharon is a very gentle soul. If her parents were even raising their voice, she would like be weeping. Me, um, any gentleness that's in me has been built by Christ. And you had to hit me three times before I even looked. Yeah, what do you want, Ma? Uh, very different dispositions, very different backgrounds. And, and, and so when, when our children were very young, we did not agree at all on how to handle them. And so we agreed that she handled them her way when I wasn't there. And I handled them my way when I came home, whether she was there or not. Eventually, when they got older, we had to agree more than that. But for a long time, we didn't need to. You don't have to settle every issue uh, right away. Here's number four. Don't expect to settle everything just like other couples. Uh, Sharon and I, uh, we have a very unique disposition and very unique personality. And by the way, at this point, we've been married 39 years. Um, you have to settle things the way you settle them. Uh, Sharon doesn't like to talk about things. I like to talk about things. That's okay. But one of us has to decide, you know what, I'm fine to settle it their way because it's more important that it gets settled than it's settled my way. So which means most things we just don't talk about. And she lets them go, and so I let them go. Sometimes we have to talk about it, so we have difficult conversations. It needs to happen. Don't, you don't have to settle things like we do. The important thing is that you settle theirs. Here's the last thing. Uh, don't expect your spouse to be another one of you. <laughs> I know I say that all the time, but I really believe it's the primary error that we make early in marriage. We think our spouse thinks just like us about everything. Uh, they don't, and they're not going to settle disagreements. If you're the mature person in your house, and I'm talking to some women in here, you're the mature person in your relationship, then you need to just accept the fact that if you want things settled, you're going to have to settle them the way your spouse wants them settled. Because the most important thing as a mature person is to settle them, not to do your way. i got to stop. Uh, you should have a little square. Uh, write something on it. You say, oh, I'm glad you're done with fair fighting because I don't want to fight fair. I want to fight. Uh, whatever you want to put on there is fine. A smiley face. Um, anything is good. God bless you. You're dismissed.